0: A contact sport because I tell you what, Aaron's just dodging, trying to not get hit because uh, he likes to move all of his hands every time. So uh, when I got up this morning, it was minus 12. And that's not wind chill, that was actual temperature. Uh, and of course, on those Sundays, it's like, well, who's going to show up? Is it, you know, and you guys never cease to amaze me. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. How many were Chris? Chris, how many people are here? How many families do we end up with? 45. Yeah, 45 families. So we got over 100 people here. So uh, we don't cancel it. We're just going to go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, but, you know, here's what happened this morning when I got up and I got was getting ready and getting ready to leave the house. I looked out my front window and there is a bunny rabbit sitting out in my front window out on the front window and it had scratched up enough stuff to get to the grass and was eating stuff. And I you know, it was just odd because it's minus 12 outside. And I thought, you know what? I don't feed this thing, and I don't water this, give this thing water, but God takes care of it. And what a great reminder for us that in spite of all that's going on, I mean, if God takes care of bunny rabbits, and birds, you know, you've seen the birds out on the side of the road trying to, to find stuff. Um, you really think God's not going to take care of you today? You know, and sometimes we forget that. We, we just forget those simple things. Um, we are in a study this morning um, in the parables of the life of Christ. And we're on the first group of parables known as they're they're known as the kingdom parables. And basically what Jesus is trying to do is lay the groundwork for his disciples to understand what the kingdom is about. Uh, Jesus is within about a year of going to the cross. So this is the last part of his ministry as he starts to talk in these parables. And part of it, as we've talked about earlier, was to hide, and part of it was to reveal just to his uh, followers, his close followers, what was going to happen. You know, We talked about the, the parable um, of the sower uh, who sows the seed on the four different types of ground. And Jesus was using that parable to illustrate who is part of this kingdom, who's going to be part of his kingdom. Because again, over and over again in the, in the Jewish mindset, in the mindset of the disciples, they're thinking political kingdom. And Jesus is thinking spiritual and eternal kind of kingdom. So, he's got a, so he talks about the type of people that are in his kingdom, and he talks about those who... Uh, produce fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold, and there's something real that's there. Then he talks about the idea that Satan wants to infiltrate that kingdom as well. So Satan also works in that kingdom, and he plants weeds, uh, tares, and um, it's not our job to sort, it's God's. That's the role of God, so we just need to let God be God there. And then last week, we talked about uh, the parable of the mustard seed, and we said that that was a simile. That's a, that's a short little statement where Jesus is trying to illustrate um, one main point. And we talked about the idea was that that, that mustard seed represents the extent, the, 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 the external size of God's kingdom. And he says, it's going to grow into this tree that's going to um, provide comfort for lots of people. And we talked last week about the idea that as Christianity started with Jesus Christ and the, the cross and his resurrection, that it's blossomed into this big, huge thing that a lot of people benefit from, and we talked about the importance of that, that last week. Um, this morning, we're going to look at, at a, sec, uh, a, a parable that's very similar to the mustard seed, and when I talk about it, it's going to be, well, that's, we just, we talked about the last week. It's like the mustard seed parable. The difference is, is the way that the kingdom works, and Last week, when we talked about the mustard seed, the idea was it it was a seed thing that was going to grow into this big thing, and the focus was external. The focus was on the size of the tree, the size of the plant. Uh, This morning, we're going to look at the parable of leaven, and the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, and we're not going to look at the external size of it, we're going to look at what happens internally. So that's the difference between these two parables. So this parable is only found in Matthew and Luke, so I'm going to read it from two different versions. To give you a little bit of an idea, he spoke another parable saying, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three seda of flour until it was all leavened. Um, and then here's Luke's version of it um, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal um, till the whole was leavened. Okay? So basically, you're going, Okay, so it's about a woman who throws yeast in bread. Yes. That's it. Now, let's talk about what that means. Um, There are lots of, as I've talked about before, when we get into parables, there's lots of crazy interpretations to it. Um, Probably one of the most common, one actually I held to for a long time and actually taught, is this idea that leaven was sin. And he was talking about the idea that sin comes into the church and it can affect the whole church, can affect the whole body of Christ, the whole kingdom of God. Uh, The problem with that is, and and that's a very common interpretation of this parable, by the way. Here's a problem with that. When Jesus says, when Jesus makes his statement, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. So if leaven is sin, what have we just said? So it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit right. And the big thing with Scripture is you've got to be able to put it, um, into the context. So, with that in mind, let me give you. I, I want to. There's three parts to this parable, and we're going to look at each one of them. There's the leaven part, and um, there's the woman part, and then there's the hid part, okay? So, I'm going to pick them apart and kind of deal with them individually. Let's talk about the woman part because I think that's a, that's a key that will help us understand. Um, in this culture, it was common every day for a woman to make bread for the family, all right? So that was just a common thing. Uh, And here's the way they would do it. They would would make the bread and they would get it all together, and then they would take um, a little piece of bread from the day before, which had leaven in it, and they would mix it in, and it it would leaven the whole loaf. Then before they baked it, what they would do is they would pull out a little pinch and they would set it aside. And so what would happen is then they would go ahead and make the bread for that day, and then um, the next day they would make the bread, and they would take the bread, the leavened bread from the day before. They would put it in it. They'd make the bread. They'd pull out a little section, and they would put it on the side. That was the common practice of the day. So when Jesus tells this story, everybody understands that. That's just what they did. Now, there's some debate over this three, this three Seda, three measures, three packs, three bushel, three whatever. Some people, depending on how you do the measurement, say, well, that was just an extravagant amount for a family. Um, Some people say, well, it was just a normal amount for a family, and we see it in other places of Scripture. Uh, For instance, when Abraham has Sarah make uh, three measures of meal for the the angels. Uh, And so we see that. We see it sometimes in uh, sacrifice, where three measures are, are made for sacrifice. Don't get hung up on the three. We don't, it's just... I'm th- I assume and I believe that it's just a common everyday thing that they would make for a family. That's what you would make. There's nothing special about the three idea. The idea is that they would take a little bit of piece of, of the bread off and save it for the next day. In fact, in the Jewish world, um, when, uh, when your daughter got married, uh, what they would do often is uh, they would make, you know, it's a big feast thing. Uh, Everybody eats and everybody all gets together that way. And so what they would have is they would have uh, uh, leavened bread for the meals and everybody. And what the mom would typically do is she would pull off a piece of that bread and set it aside, just like she would normally do. But she would take another piece and set it aside for her daughter. And at the wedding ceremony, they would often give that piece to her daughter. And it was actually considered a, a, a pretty incredible gift because what you were saying is, as you start your family, here is something from our family to carry on the idea. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So when we talk about this idea of leaven, when we talk about this idea, that, that was a common deal for, for, for the people. So let's talk about leaven itself. Okay, It's got a fascinating history when you go through, history, uh, when you go through Scripture. Uh, It's used about 70 times in the Old Testament. It's used about 17 times in the New Testament. Most of the time when we think of leaven, we think of leaven as as evil or sin or something bad. And there's no question in Scripture um, it has that connotation. But it also in Scripture has the connotation of something that's good. Um, So so we we have to struggle with this idea, well, if it's not sin, if it's not evil, what's the idea? I mean, when Jesus says the leaven of the Pharisees, what's he talking about? In a Jewish mind, here's what you need to understand. The idea of leaven had not a positive or a negative idea. The idea of leaven had the the idea behind it in that it could influence, that it could permeate, that it would spread throughout. So when Jesus talks about the leaven of the Pharisees, what's he saying? Your teaching is... Infiltrating everybody. Uh, when we, when he, when, uh, because, again, Paul talks about the church as leaven. Um, uh, here Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is leaven. So we, we can't think in terms of good or bad. We have to think in terms of impact or influence. Does that make sense that way? Because that, that's what he's saying here. That's what Jesus is saying. Is As he talks about this idea of leaven, What he's saying is the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. It has the ability to impact and influence everything it touches. Here he's talking about the internal nature of the kingdom in that God works from within to spread the kingdom kind of throughout. So he says the kingdom of heaven um, is like leaven. Now, you say, okay, but what about the Passover? What about uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread? What was the idea there? Uh, When you go back to the story of Exodus, and we talk about the Passover, which we did last year, I don't know if you'll you'll remember it, but when you came to, Israel was in Egypt, all right? They're getting ready to leave Egypt and go into the promised land. Remember the, the Passover thing? And Jesus said, okay, you take a lamb, you set it aside, then you butcher it, and then you go ahead and you cook it, and you eat it, you take the blood, and you put the blood over the doorpost. You have a staff in your hand, your sandals are all ready to go, and when the, when the, when the death angel passes through, then you, know, you leave. you would be ready, all ready to leave. But part of that ceremony, part of that, that, that event, was they had to eat unleavened bread. And when they left, they took with them unleavened bread. Because here was the idea. As we, and we're going to get into this when we talk about communion this morning, when we go to communion this morning, the idea is this, when you leave Egypt, I don't want you to take the leaven of Egypt with you as we go into the promised land. I want you to leave behind that. I don't want that, and here's the big spiritual picture, I don't want that to influence you as you go forward. So I don't want anything to do with leaven in the Passover meal. It is to celebrate the idea that, again, the lamb was pure. Everything was pure. The bread was not tainted in any way, shape, or form. We're going to celebrate that. And then later, when when, when God institutes the feast for Israel, he institutes the Passover feast in which they eat unleavened bread. And what's interesting is, when, Jesus go, or when God goes and institutes the feast for Israel, you know what feast immediately follows the Passover? The feast of unleavened bread. It starts the day after Passover. You know why? You know, well, first of all, you know what they did? They went seven days with no leaven. The idea was Passover was a celebration of, the idea was of, of coming out of Egypt, of going into the promised land, of not taking anything with Egypt, of Egypt with us, not taking that influence with us. And then we're going to spend seven days, and we're going to make sure that leaven no way in any way, shape, or form touches our lives. We're not going to have it in our home. And we're going to start from that point on going forward without leaven, We've, we've done without leaven, now we're going to add leaven. And so you're going to see this, this idea behind the, the, the feast, the unleavened bread, was actually this idea of a new start, without any influence from the old. And when we get to communion today, we're going to talk about the significance of that for us, because that has incredible implications. And so when Jesus is with the, that's why when Jesus is with the disciples, what are they doing? They're, they're at the Passover, the Last Supper. They have the Feast of Unleavened Bread um, that they're going to start to celebrate after this. So there's this idea of leaven has this idea, again, I don't want to say it's necessarily the evil part of it, although it's used that way in Scripture. It has the idea of influence or impact. Okay? So let's talk about it practically. You go, okay, you know all that's great and everything else, but here's the thing. I'm going to work tomorrow, so... <sighs> You know, I really you know, I'm I'm gonna be happy to have a sandwich. So anyway, so what is it? Couple of principles. The first principle is this God is teaching his disciples, and again, put yourself in the mind of the disciples. They're thinking kingdom. They're thinking Jesus is gonna rule, they're thinking he's gonna be on the throne. In a year, they're gonna come to the triumphal entry where everybody is singing his praises and everybody's talking about him being king. And that's going to be all excited. And then they're going to look at him hanging on a cross. And written above the cross is what? King of the Jews. This is where your kingdom starts and ends, fellows, right here. So Jesus has to prepare them for that. So he talks about how you get into the kingdom. Then he talks about other people who are going to look like they're part of the kingdom. Then he talks about the idea that this kingdom is going to start really small, but it's going to become this massive thing. And then he brings up this idea of leaven, and here's what he's saying. Guys, listen to me. The kingdom of heaven is going to start, and it's going to start from the inside out. In other words, I'm going to work in hearts. And when I get done, it's going to impact everything and everyone that it touches. And the kingdom of heaven is going to have that kind of impact and that kind of influence on the world. It's going it's to be that thing that works within and works its way out. And I think... For for us to understand that, we look back on the cross and we go, okay, that makes perfect sense. We can see how God has worked. In times of persecution or difficulty, it seems like the kingdom of God grows even more. It seems like there's this undercurrent thing where God's at work. And we see that and we watch that play out over and over again. So here's the application, I think, for us. You need to understand that when God works in our hearts... Just like in the kingdom, he works from the inside out in our in our lives. You want to know how God works? Inside out. So my question this morning: What's God doing in your heart? Not 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 are you you know you know how you dressed, how you acting, what are you doing? No no. What's going on in your heart? It's Valentine's Day, you know. And, and I hate to say that you know. I I hope you. Be a student of history, right? Because, you know, we make a big deal about the heart. We write little heart emojis, and we do a little, do you love me? You understand that that's that's been a recent, like, 2,000-year thing? That if you were in the first century, I would have looked at my wife, and I would have said, I love you with all my bowels. You go, that's kind of gross. I'm just telling you, because that's where in the the, when the Bible is written, the, the the New Testament is written, they consider the bowels, the gut, the seat of your emotions. We now go, oh, I love you with all my heart. I mean, you know, you know, try it. You know, look at your wife and go, Oh, honey, I love you with all of my intestines. You know, and you go, that sounds silly. Well, you know, if, honestly, I love you with all my heart. Have you ever seen a human heart? You know? You know, I mean, but that's where we are, okay? But what I'm asking is what's inside of you, inside, in your heart, in your seat of emotion, in that thing where God rings the bell of your life? What's God doing? Because God likes working from the inside out in our lives as well. And what happens is so many times we shut out God or we box God out or we build up walls to protect our heart, to protect our emotions, and what we we don't realize is we're hurting ourselves when we do that. Um, You know, real Christianity, real Christianity starts from the inside out. And I've been in... Christianity where it was from the outside in. Where when you said you wanted to follow Christ, we had a whole bunch of rules and things like that, the boxes that you had to check off to look a certain way and act a certain way and speak a certain way and do a certain thing and boom, 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 boom. And then it's like, okay, yes, you're a Christian. God says, no, no, no. I want to know, I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to work from the inside out. But my challenge to you this morning is, listen, understand that God's at work in your life. And the Holy Spirit is working on your conscience and the Holy Spirit. You know, we talked to testimonies this morning, you know, and we heard, look, I don't know what God's doing. But God's doing something in in this life because this situation was out of the blue. And all of a sudden we're going, what happened? And it's God's at work. I mean, you you hear that. And and that's what I would say. You have to understand that in your life, when God works, he's going to work on the inside of your heart. So be sensitive to that. Pay attention to that. Because God's at work. You know, that's why you can do, there's things that you have done your entire life and never felt bad about, and all of a sudden you do it now, and it's like, oh, I don't know why I feel bad about that, but I'm starting to think that maybe that's wrong. Why is that? God's working on the inside out. God's working on the inside out. And that's one of the things you see about this idea of leaven. He says, look, you hide the leaven in. In fact, the word's interesting. It's the word encrypt. Um, you 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 hide this in there, and it starts to expand and influence and impact the whole. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to work on your heart. He wants to work on you inside. And he wants it to start to spread out till it affects everything in your life. So one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, what's God doing in my heart? What's God speaking to my heart about? Second idea is this. Understand. God wants to impact everything. In this story, the leaven that goes into the loaf affects the entire loaf. Everything about the loaf is impacted by the leaven. That's what God's saying to us. In the kingdom thing, so let me put it, I'm going to put it in two worlds, the kingdom world and your personal world. The kingdom world, here's what God does. God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you and i'm going to take you and you and you and i'm going to plant you all over the world i'm going to plant you in this little corner and that little corner and that little place and that little place and that little place and that, little place, and that little place. why because i want you as you live out your christian life to impact everyone around you in your world you know, that's why people go oh uh, you know i i you know i'm i'm not a pastor i don't have no, no no it's not about being a pastor you know what i you know what i'm doing this morning I'm doing what God has called me to do in the part of the world that God's put me into. God said, I give you talents, gifts, abilities to do this. Here's what I want you to do. You go here. And I go, I don't want to go here. I want to be in this city. And God says, no, you don't know what you want. This is what you want. Just trust me. Okay, I'll trust you. Now it's like, God, I love you. Don't ever send me back to the city. You know? But God said, okay, here's where I'm going to plant you. He's right to put you, you influence, you impact the people in your world. And he's done the same for everybody sitting here that's a follower of Jesus Christ that's part of God's kingdom. And he says, I'm going to plant here. Um, this is a rabbit trail, because I could I could, preach for, I could preach for hours on this passage. This is my favorite passage in all the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, here's what Paul says. It's interesting because he talks about our ministry, and he talks about the idea That if the gospel is hid, our leaven idea, hiding, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And here's what he goes on to say In whom the God of this world, that's Satan, hath blinded the minds of them that see, lest the light of the glorious gospel of God, which is in Christ Jesus, should shine unto them. Here's what Paul argues in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Read it for yourself, it's a fascinating passage. he uses an incredible analogy here, and he says this, Satan has blinded their minds. Now, wait a minute. How does your mind get blind? Here's what he's saying. Satan has worked in the world so that their minds get stuck. Lest, The light of the glorious gospel of God, which is in Christ Jesus, should shine unto them. Here's what he's saying. But here's the thing. He's blinded their minds, but how do you see? Help me out. With your eyes. So guess what's not blinded? Their eyes. Their mind is blind. But their eyes still work. So Paul argues lest the light of the glorious gospel of God, which is in Christ Jesus, should shine unto them. In other words, when God takes you and places you into their world, you can argue with them all day about the Bible and Jesus and Christ and theology and what about this and what about that. But their eyes, are where it's going to start. What they see is what's going to make the difference. And as you and I live out our lives for Christ in front of them, guess what? Now we have a back door to their mind because of what their eyes have seen. that make sense? And what Paul and what Jesus is saying here is the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And God's going to secretly put it in places all over the world. And as he does that, and people start to see Christ in you and I as we live out our Christian life, it starts to impact and influence them, and it starts to grow. And it starts to grow over here. And it starts to grow over here. It starts to grow over here. And before you know it, the whole world has become influenced, and I'm not saying they're all Christian, but they've become influenced and impacted by leaven. That's what he's arguing for the kingdom. And what I would say to you is, don't get discouraged wherever God has you. God has placed you there to be a light and to be leaven in that group, in that area, so that God can start to influence and impact. Let's talk about it personally. In the same way, that's what God does in our lives. God wants, see, this is why, you know, you've heard me talk about this easy easy believism. You know, there are people who believe that you can pray a prayer, you can put your faith and trust in Christ, you're now a Christian, you can go live however you want to live. That is not Christianity. That's a false Christianity. The Christianity of Jesus Christ, the Christianity of the Bible, the Christianity of the New Testament says this. As God comes into your life, he is going to start to impact every area of your life. You don't want to compartmentalize your Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian. Okay, I'm a Christian on a Sunday morning, but the other six days of the week, you know, I'm a pagan. No, Christianity is leavened. It's like leaven that comes into your life, and over time, God starts impacting every single area of your life. And I've always said, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, then it ought to impact everything you say and do. You go, "Why well, am I'm going to fall short. That, that's part of growth. But it ought to impact, for instance, here's what I'd say. I, I, I would say that if you're a Christian, you should be a better spouse Because you became a Christian. And over time, you will become an even better spouse. Why? Because you will start to look at the Bible and what God says about how you treat your spouse, and you will start to do some of those things. I think it should impact the way you parent. I think it should impact the way you go to your job. It ought to impact the way you talk. It ought to impact the way that you spend your money. It ought to impact your, um, your, your hobbies. It ought to, it, there's not an area of your life your Christianity should not be impacted by. You go, well, you know, every time I look at it, I may fall short. We talked about this Wednesday morning with the, with the guys. This kind of came up in the discussion. My belief is this. The more you grow in your Christian life, the farther short you fall. And if you go and you start reading biographies of great Christian men, what you'll find is the the more more they learned about God, the closer they became to God, the more they felt how unworthy they were. I mean, what happens? Isaiah. Uzziah dies. Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. And the first thing he says when he sees God is, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips the first thing he does is feel insignificant because god is so great and you go well, are you saying i'm always going to be a progress uh, i'm always going to be in progress i'm always going to be a work in progress yes that's it i'm just telling you right now if you think you've arrived in the christian life and you've got nothing else to learn or no, no place else to grow this is not the place for you we are all under construction We're like that, guys, I'll give you a break here. We're like that construction project that never gets finished. We just keep plugging away at it. We just keep plugging away at it. And that's the thing. But God's at work from the inside out, and God wants to affect every single area of your life. So step back and ask yourself, are there any areas in your life that are closed off to God? Okay, God, I'm willing to do anything you want me to do, but we're not going to talk about that. No, 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 Lord. You know what, Lord, I'll give you anything that you want, but not this area of my life. Lord, this is mine. No, Jesus Christ should permeate every area of our life. It impacts all of our life. Does that make sense? So when we talk about the kingdom, I think there's a principle that applies to the kingdom of God, And I think there's a principle that applies to us as well. And that would be my challenge to you. My challenge would be for you to just kind of step back and say, you know what? Are there areas of my life that I have kept a hold of, that I haven't allowed, that I haven't gone to scriptures or I haven't gone to the Lord and said, okay, Lord, you know, I need to give you this area of my life. Um, Because ultimately, God wants to impact every single area. So I end this morning with this idea. First of all, two questions. First of all, what's God doing in your heart? What's he doing? And secondly, the idea is, are you allowing God in every area of your life? I think that's the practical thing out of this for us. God has put every one of us somewhere for a reason. So be a light. Don't argue with him. You know, Satan's blinded her mind. But they have open eyes. they let God use that. Um, by the way, he didn't say anything about their ears either. So they do hear. And they do listen. So I end this morning with this. God's kingdom is like leaven. It has a tremendous ability to impact and influence from within. God's kingdom is going to grow and prosper, and Jesus is going to build his church, and Satan is not going to win. So allow God to impact your life from within. And this week, allow God to use you and your life to impact those that he puts you in contact with. That they may see Christ in you. Let's pray. Lord, help us, guide us, use us. Lord, we've all got a long way to go. But Lord, on the other hand, you have chosen to put us in places. You've chosen to use us. You've chosen to... Uh, save us and and allow us, Lord, to be part of your kingdom. We we thank you so much for that, Lord. So just help us to represent it well in the world. Help us to not minimize the ability that we have to influence people for Christ. And, uh, Lord, when it's all said and done, it's your kingdom. And we want you to have all of the honor and the glory. And we thank you for letting us be a part of it. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, Let's stand together and we're going to sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's stand as we sing. You can be seated. Somewhere around you, um, there is a uh, little communion cup and, and wafer. Um, we end every service with communion, and uh, one of the things I want to talk about this morning is the bread. You know, we've just talked about this idea of leavened, and uh, and in working through all of this, um, it kind of makes a really nice tie for the aspect of uh, communion. And as we've talked about it, um, let me give you a little bit of insight into the Passover. Um, Of course, at the Passover, there was a series of of cups that they would drink. There was a series of things that they would eat. Um, And one of the things was leavened bread. Um, This is a typical type of thing that the Jewish people would see. There's an interesting, again, this is a rabbit trail. I'm not sure how much to put into this, but there's an interesting thing that talks about This is kind of more of a traditional kind of uh, bread that they would make. Sometimes it was round. But you notice the little burn spots on it from when it's set on a a, a deal like that. Um, Some people say that one of the reasons that Jesus chose this as a symbol was because it was a reminder of the stripes that he would have on his back as he was beaten and shed his blood for our sins. Um, When Jesus said the Passover, he said this, and he's talking about the Passover bread, it's my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. One of the reasons that we focus on the idea of unleavened bread is because of the idea of what we just talked about. Leaven has the focus of influence. When we're talking about the body of Jesus Christ, He was without sin. There is nothing that influenced or impacted his physical body that would keep him from being our sacrifice. Just as a lamb had to be spotless, just as a lamb had to be without blemish. In the same way, the leaven reminds us of this idea that his body, his sacrifice was perfect. There was nothing that altered it. There was nothing that influenced it. There was nothing that was added to it. It was simply a pure, holy, perfect sacrifice. One of the things that I would like us to think about this morning as we get ready to take communion is this. In the Old Testament, in the Passover and in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the whole idea was to get rid of the old and start anew. And so in the Jewish world, between the Passover feast and the unleavened bread, they went in like eight, nine days without any leaven. And then they would start afresh for the next year. One of the things that I think is communion, again, I'm going a couple of layers deep on this, so I might lose you, but, but for those of you who've been around for a while, I want you to think of it in these terms. One of the things that I think is inherent in the idea of communion is the idea of putting the past behind us as we go forward. I think that's why when Paul gives instructions to Corinthians, he says, let a man examine himself. One of the things that we do in communion is we look at this, our life, this past week or whatever, between now and the last time we had communion, we look at our life and say, okay, Lord, where have I fallen short? Let's put that in the past. Just like you put my sin in the past. Let me put that in the past as I go forward to serve you this I want you to 11 from the last couple of weeks to carry in as I go forward. And I think there's an, an idea in communion that as we, as we have that relationship with God, where we know that he's our Lord and Savior, we start our fellowship somewhat anew. And we say, Lord, as I go forward, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff last week that I just want to move past. Forgive me of that as we go forward this week. Put it in the past. Not carry it forward. And if you're a believer here this morning, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Join us. Join us as we do that. And uh, as you start this week. Start it afresh. Start it afresh. Clean slate. As you go forward this week to serve God. Let's pray. Lord help us. Thank you. Thank you for an incredible sacrifice that was at great cost to you and at no cost to us. Lord, may you be honored and glorified in our lives this week. May we serve you with a whole, pure heart in all that we say and do. May the world see Christ in us. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Thanks for coming. Lord bless you. Have a good week. It's supposed to be warmer next Sunday.